Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. China Perspective. Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon. It is the evening runway. I'm Elliot Danker. It is now time for us to turn our attention to headlines coming out from China. Details of Russian President Vladimir Putin's visit to China, as well as the country's latest reaction with regard to the Israel-Hamas conflict. On the line with me, all the way from Vienna, is Stefan Wolf, who is Professor of International Security, University of Birmingham. Professor, good afternoon. How are you? Good morning, good afternoon. I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Very good, sir. Thank you so much for taking the time. And quite a few issues to get through this afternoon. We've got Russian President Vladimir Putin in China to meet his Chinese counterpart Xi Jinping in Beijing. That's happening today and tomorrow. It is day one of his visit. But for context, Professor, the International Criminal Court has issued a warrant for Putin's arrest. That's on the cards. What are you sensing from all of this? Well, I mean, it's very interesting where uh, President Putin has been traveling and where he hasn't been traveling over the past uh, couple of months uh, since the arrest warrant was uh, issued in March. He did not go to the BRICS forum in South Africa, which I think was quite interesting. On the other hand, he has visited uh, Kyrgyzstan earlier uh, last week, and now he's, of course, in China. Both countries um, very unlikely to uh, follow up on the uh, arrest warrant of the ICC. So I think he's quite safe there. What is the agenda for this meeting in China? Well, I think that's going to be very interesting indeed. Um, I mean, on the one hand, this is clearly a celebration of 10 years of the Belt and Road Initiative, sort of a foreign policy project that is very closely associated with President Xi and was uh, probably the first major foreign policy initiative uh, in uh, his first term in in office back in 2013. Uh, So I think that's going to uh, loom large. Um, But there are, of course, also a number of other issues that I think are on the agenda for both Mr. Xi and Mr. Putin. I mean, you have already alluded to the escalating situation in the Middle East, which I think is important for both of them. But then we also have, obviously, the war in Ukraine, which is still uh, going on, the general deterioration of relations between Russia and the West, and kind of an unclear trajectory of where uh, China-West relations are going at the moment. Professor, it's a bit of a tale of two countries, because on the one hand, you look at China, they are kind of imaging themselves as a peacemaker, right? They're trying to establish relationships as much as they've got a strained relationship with the United States. On the other hand, you've got Putin and Russia, which you mentioned, strained relationship with the rest of the Western world. There is that conflict there. And we talked about that arrest warrant from the ICC. I mean, this relationship between China and Russia, at what point does it start to sound a bit one-sided? Oh, I think it is already quite one-sided. I mean, uh, Russia has become increasingly dependent on China, um, both as a market uh, for its oil exports, but also for critical imports um, uh, of goods that uh, Russia is now cut off from because of the Western sanctions imposed in response to the war in Ukraine. Uh, It was very interesting. I mean, Putin gave an interview to Chinese media outlets before his uh, journey, and uh, they pointed out to him how many Chinese goods are actually in Russian supermarkets and department stores right now. And I mean, Putin tried to turn that around into something uh, positive, but it also uh, is very much an indication of the degree of dependence that Russia now has uh, on China. On the other hand, I also think it's important to bear in mind that that cuts both ways. So 
Putin still is a important ally uh, for China, in particular in this re-emerging sort of Cold War 2.0 scenario of great power confrontation. All right. Uh, Professor, I want to move on to talk about the Belt and Road Initiative Forum or the BRI Forum. Uh, We know the BRI definitely boosted China's political clout, that global clout, right? But has the BRI actually changed the world? Well, that depends on how you define change and how you define (laughs) the world. So I think, I mean, it is very much a major Chinese uh, initiative. A lot of money has gone into it uh, in terms of but it's actually a mix. Uh, I mean, it's investments uh, that China has made, it's loans, uh, it's contracts, primarily all for infrastructure projects that uh, have been intended to connect China better to the world over the last 10 years. So these are rail projects, road projects, ports, pipelines, uh, digital infrastructure. Um, so I think in that sense, it has changed the world. It has made China more connected, but it also has increased and intensified the connectedness or the connectivity more globally. I think what's equally important uh, uh, to note is that there are, of course, uh, some problems, uh, like the indebtedness of uh, some of the countries that have become involved with the BRI. And interestingly, I mean, China in its latest white paper on the BRI at least very vaguely acknowledged that there were problems and uh, that they are likely to, it's not going to be all smooth sailing in the future either. But I think above all, both the BRI and the way in which it's talked about in China now and which it's celebrated in Beijing over these two days, uh, I think is an indication of sort of a greater Chinese confidence and assertiveness in global politics. Mm. Uh, Observers, of course, will be watching out in particular to China's stance on the Middle East. Uh, Professor, your thoughts on the Israel-Gaza situation and how that affects this particular BRI forum? Well, I think it's going to be um, one of the major talking points in a lot of the bilateral engagements that we will see on the sideline uh, of the BRI forum now. So I have already uh, sort of well, I, I followed a, a Chinese news report mm. on uh, Xi uh, meeting with the Hungarian prime minister, with the Chilean president, with the Ethiopian prime minister, and so on and so forth. And I would imagine that it's one of the issues where China certainly will express concerns over the escalation that we have seen over the past uh, 10 days uh, now. Uh, and where China will, in my view, try to use whatever influence it has uh, within reasonable parameters uh, to prevent a further escalation beyond the region, because that's clearly not in China's interest, um, yeah. both in terms of its economic interests. I mean, China is the largest uh, importer of oil and gas uh, from the region, uh, so that's not going to be good. But also, I think the global political fallout, uh, I mean, instability is something that China generally dislikes. And I think in in that sense, it's going to be uh, an interesting issue to to see how that pans out at the uh, BRI forum discussion. Mm. I'll get back to Israel-Gaza in just a sec, uh, Professor. But one more point about the BRI. Italy already causing a bit of a setback there. Should we expect other partners to perhaps start questioning and, and cause a potential setback for China? Well, I think the the Italy situation is really interesting. I mean, in terms of the actual material impact, whether Italy is part of the BRI or not, is is very limited. I think it's a much more symbolic issue that with Italy, you actually have one of the G7 countries formally signed up to the BRI. 
So I think that's going to be uh, tricky for both uh, sides. What I expect to happen is maybe not such a big furor over the issue, but rather China and Italy will not renew the memorandum of understanding um, on Italy's participation in the BI, but rather will probably sign a couple of other trade and investment agreements. Um, I mean, it's also interesting to see that I mean, many people talk about Italy, but Italy is by far not the largest uh, uh, trade partner or economic partner of China in the mm. in the G7, uh, not not even in the EU. So I think from from that perspective, we shouldn't overestimate the impact of that. And I'm sure the two sides will find a face-saving way out of the of the current conundrum. Very crucial context you provided there, Professor. Okay, coming back to the Israel-Gaza situation, uh, let's try and navigate through this one. Uh, China's Foreign Minister Wang Yi saying that Israel's actions in Gaza are beyond self-defense. Uh, comments like that, uh, Professor, your thoughts on how that's going to impact the, the, the situation? It's not necessarily going to have a direct impact on, on the conflict, these uh, uh, statements. I, I think the what what the two conflict parties are doing on the ground, I think, is is less likely going to be affected uh, okay. by that. What it does tell us a little bit is about where China stands on these mm. uh, issues in general, what alliances it has in the region, but but also sort of how difficult to some extent even China is finding it to navigate carefully yeah. between its economic and political interests in the region, but also beyond the region. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, I agree with you there. I mean, I've read uh, quite a few news reports where you've got people questioning or the situation will question uh, China's stance uh, towards the Middle East. China at the same time has been trying to image itself as a bit of a peacemaker, especially with uh, the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Does this represent an opportunity perhaps for China to make good on that peacemaker role? Well, I'm, I'm sure that uh, China already has uh, a lot of discussions going on behind closed doors. I mean, Beijing has very good relations with Tehran and Riyadh, so with the capitals of Iran and Saudi Arabia. I already mentioned that it's the largest global importer of oil yeah. and gas. There. So I think China does have influence and interests in the region, and I think these interests are about preventing an escalation of the current uh, confrontation. It's also important to bear in mind here that all of this would probably work better or will work better if the relationship between China and the U.S. um, would become a little bit more constructive. Uh, Because, I mean, we need to look at both sides in this conflict. And I think China and the U.S. together actually could exert the kind of uh, influence or pressure, if you want, uh, on their respective allies uh, to step back from the brink of what is clearly going to be a humanitarian catastrophe if uh, people don't uh, um, pull the plug on it right now. Really appreciate your insight today. I've been speaking with Stefan Wolf, who is Professor of International Security, University of Birmingham. Professor, thank you so much for your time today. Excellent. Thank you very much. Goodbye. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.